Hey guys, Tucker here, co-host of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. Before we get into this week's show, I wanted to let you know that we're currently looking for more projects. So for any of you guys that listen to the show that may be an agent or otherwise that have a property that you're looking to sell, we'd love to hear from you. Obviously, we're looking to purchase properties that are maybe not best suited for the retail market or maybe they need to be redeveloped. So we do renovations and we do new construction so we could buy an existing home that maybe it smells like cigarette smoke, maybe it hasn't been updated in decades, maybe it's got some fun functional issues, some problems like that, or maybe it's just in an area that is best suited to take the house down, partition the lot, maybe build a couple new homes, or just build one new home in its place, and anything in between. So if you guys out there in Listenerland have anything that would be best suited selling to a development company like ours, we'd love to hear from you. You can go to our website, which is ttmdevelopmentcompany.com, and when you go there, there's a contact us tab. Click on that, and you can send us a message, and we'll get back to you shortly thereafter. We'd love to hear from any of you guys out there that have a property like this, and hopefully we we can do a deal together. This is the Portland Real Estate Podcast, your number one place for anything you need to know about the Portland real estate market, along with in-depth interviews from our local real estate industry experts. Now, without further ado, here are our hosts, Tucker Merrihue from TTM Development Company and Steve Nassar from Premier Property Group. All right, everybody out there in listener land, welcome back. This is episode 103 of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. We are back again. We've had a string of, uh, I would say, some really, really good episodes, but uh, we thought we'd jump back on here, just me and my co-host, Mr. Steve Nassar, and uh, talk market action with you guys. So welcome back, Steve. Hey, good to be back on the show, Tucker. Yeah, it's been a good run. We've had some really quality shows and some quality guests, and we've got some uh, other ideas for some other good stuff coming up in the future, but... Yeah, we haven't talked about ourselves in a while, so I think this is appropriate to chat a little bit about what we have going on in our own personal businesses and what we're seeing on the on the streets and in the trenches as we uh, go about our daily routines. That's a good chance to embrace our narcissistic tendencies, right? <laughs> Talk about ourselves a little bit. <laughs> well put, well put. <laughs> so with that being said, we're heading into fall. We'll get into the market stuff here, um, you know, in just a little bit. But we're heading into that time of the year. I remember last year, it was a little, a little bumpy, a little bumpy right about now. And, um, you know, both on the business front and the market front, mainly because the market dictates business, right? But with that said, what's going on with you over in your world, and do you feel like it's a different time this year than last year? I do, in a good way, Tucker, in a good way. If you recall, a year ago, I felt, and I even said, I may have said it here, I said it offline as well, it felt like there was some dark clouds on the horizon of real estate, you know, interest rates. A year ago, interest rates were almost 5%, if not at 5%, which is about a percent and almost a percent and a half from where they are today, which is a huge difference across across the market on payments and what that does to prices and momentum and urgency for buyers. And it, that kind of waned with the interest rates as they... Uh, came back down this year and here in the last couple of weeks, and we'll talk some of this on, you know, on, on the market side, but here in the last few weeks, I'm hearing they're the lowest they've been in several years. They're even lower than they were earlier in the year. And so we just aren't seeing in my business anyway, and in, on my team, 
I'm just not seeing that seasonal slowdown that we oftentimes see. I'm just as busy as I've been anytime this year, if not busier. And, you know, I could be in a bubble. Sometimes I ask myself, am I in a bubble and, hey, things are good in my world and maybe, you know, others aren't feeling that. But I then look at my listings, which aren't in a bubble, right? My listings speak for themselves. And most of my listings are getting good traction, good activity. I have one that's hibernating. It's gone. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a good way to put it's it. Gone, it's gone into a cave and it's snoring. But that's because I think it's a challenging listing. It's got a bunch of stairs to the front door and it's, you know, it's, it's built on that, that little hillside that, that buyers seem to dislike tremendously. But other than that, most of my listings across the spectrum, Tucker, are doing pretty well from the low price points, even into the above a million price points. I've got several that are pending or just recently closed. And even the ones that aren't pending are getting some looks. And so I, I just have a, an overall healthy feel for where we're at with the market and my personal business. You know, a couple things I have going on, you know, one joke I wanted to say on here because I've been, I've been hearing this so much and, and, and I think we always hear this every year, but man, I feel like this year I've heard it more. I'll be talking to, to potential sellers and they, they will be so quick to say, well, Hey, isn't it, it's fall now, you know, isn't this a bad time to list? And I, I joke with them and I go, <laughs> you, you must think we as realtors are the opposite of teachers. We work spring and summer <laughs> and then take the rest of the year off because that isn't reality. I mean, we work year round and we're busy year round and homes sell year round and life happens year round. I mean, you know, job transfers, marriages, divorces, kids, kids leaving the nest. I mean, everything, everything that is a life changing event that could cause a move to be needed happens year round, not just in the spring and summer. Not to mention that while sure, there might be more buyers out there. I'll never disagree that there are more buyers out there in the spring and summer, but there's also a lot more sellers. So it kind of evens out when homes are listed this time of year, you have so much less competition, generally speaking, because there is a lot of them, a big swath of the market that does not want to be listed you know, during the holidays, to be frank, and, and going into some, some of that stuff. So those who, who can pallet being listed then, I think have some advantages because the buyers out there are real. They're not, there's not as many looky-loos and it ends up evening out. So that's one thing I've been kind of hearing. A few other things I've got going on in my personal business. A big one that I'm super excited about is I'm doing a client appreciation party. And let me ask you this question, Tucker, take a guess. How many client appreciation parties do you think I've ever done? I'm going to go and say, well, I don't want to make you sound like an a-hole, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to say what you're, you were going to guess. It's zero. And it's not because it's not because I don't love my clients. I, I have some really good systems to send out, you know, some nice gift cards, you know, on an annual basis. I do a lot for my clients and I, and I try and I give a lot to them at closing and we try to offer a lot of valuable services through the process and I stay well in touch with them. But I've never actually done a client appreciation party. And part of that, you know, I've seen these done poorly in the past. And when I say poorly, I mean, I, I think intent as well. And I've, I've just heard, you know, different stories. And, you know, one thing I always believed is, look, if you put me in a room with 100 of my clients, they all know me, but none of them know each other. And they probably don't have much else in common besides besides me. And, and you know, you might want to say, well, but yeah, I'm sure they're going to want to get to know each other. But that's really not, that's not my experience. Is it yours, Tucker? I mean, most people kind of 
they aren't the most you know social butterflies buzzing around a room going hey who are you and and, and so it just kind of creates this awkward environment not to mention just a lot of pressure on you and and that's just not my favorite flavor either i mean i I can chat with the best of them and I can talk real estate with the best of them. But, you know, sometimes when it gets down to, you know, life after the sale and and talking about their kids and their daughter's ballet classes, that's not necessarily my strong suit. You know what would be um, funny is if somebody did like uh, some skit uh, videos on on social media of like it's called life after the sale and it's like talking to your realtor after the sale is over and it's some awkward like well okay then uh, we'll talk later uh, see ya bye you know something like that <laughs> yeah and you tend you kind of have the tendency to gravitate towards the house what have you done to the house and and you can talk about that for so long but at some point you realize you know that was five years ago and a lot else has happened and it's kind of not a big deal to us anymore. So, so here's where I'm going with this. So through some coaching that I've been doing here for about five months, I, I coach with a guy named Rick Gray. He's out of Idaho. He's done some awesome events for us. I, I think I've probably even talked about him over the years on this podcast. He's, he's come and done some events at PPG he, he, and um, several of us at, at PPG coach with him. He kind of encouraged me in a direction with that, that I thought was a really good compromise given some of the challenges that I didn't want to have with a client appreciation party. And I had heard of a couple other big agents across the country and other markets and maybe some local even that have done similar. And so here's what I am doing. And we're about two weeks away from it. And it is going very, very well. And, and I think this is going to be a smash hit. And I'm What's the super- date on it? Just out of curiosity. October 23rd. Okay. All right. So, so what we're no doing conflict, is a movie night. No conflict of what I'm going to tell you here in a little bit. So that's why I asked. So. Oh, good, 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 good. So what we're doing is a movie night. And I'd heard of a couple other people doing this. And to me, this was a good compromise. Hey, you invite all these people. You get to quickly say hi, check them in, give them a, a concession gift card. So here's here's what we're doing. We're doing it at Bridgeport Theater. They, and they have a great program there that's just turnkey. Like it's built for this, right? Everything laid out, including red carpet, tables to check people in. We booked one of their larger theaters that holds 460 people. And we picked a movie. Um, We picked a Disney movie coming up. It's Maleficent, The Return of Maleficent. That was probably one of the bigger challenges is is trying to identify a movie that's going to that's going to appeal to a broad market. Obviously, you want it to be PG. Obviously, you want it to be kid friendly, but you also want it to be somewhat interesting to maybe someone that doesn't have kids, maybe some of your older clientele or, or something. And so that was one of our bigger challenges, and, and we we did our best with that. So everybody in our client database that we've been calling, emailing, sending postcards out to, inviting for several months now, and we have about 375 RSVPs, which is which we're pretty pretty happy with. Wow, that's um, impressive. I would have thought that'd be a lot harder to get that number, but that's great. Well, when you give things away, people come. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> true. Everybody gets free entry for them, all of them. We give every party a $25 gift card to concessions, and we're also doing a drawing before the movie. The movie theater actually gives us gives us a sound system, so I'll, I'll stand in front of the theater with the lights on. We have about 12 different gift baskets, and we've put some money into these gift baskets. Their, their average value is $250, $300 with different different themes for the gift baskets. The two grand prizes are blazer tickets. One set of them is my my season tickets, which are, you know, three rows up, center court. The other one is 
floor seats. Actually, Director's Mortgage was gracious enough to donate those as their sponsorship towards this event. Floor seats, which was which is as good as any seat you'd see, you know, an owner of the team sitting at. Yeah, um, can I get that basket? That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a pretty sweet gift prize. So we've been inviting people to that. So kind of how it's going to go is people will check in. They'll get their they'll get their entry into the the different prizes. They'll get their gift card. They go into the auditorium for about twenty minutes or so, twenty to thirty minutes before I'll introduce my team. I'll thank some of our sponsors and partners in the process, and then we'll draw the prizes, give away some baskets, and then the movie starts, and, and it's kind of over and said and done with. And, and everybody didn't have to mingle with each other. You got a little bit of FaceTime. You got a huge advantage, You know, two huge advantages to an event like this that I really appreciate is you're reaching out to your database. You're offering them something of tremendous value that they appreciate and, uh, and are quick to say yes to, has been ex- my experience. And even if they can't come, they appreciate it. And you're, you're creating goodwill and you're putting yourself top of mind for them. And we've already started to get some business out of this. And I, and I, I foresee going through the winter that w- that will only continue. And it's also really good team synergy too. You know, the team has really come together united. We're all on the phones. We're all calling our past clients. We're all putting these, these gifts together. So it's been a really, really awesome experience. And I would encourage anyone who of our listeners out there that's looking for an idea for some type of client appreciation party, you know, the theater does not have to be as big as the one we have. When we were doing our research, we also looked at the Lake Oswego Theater downtown it's a lot smaller, so it didn't work for us. But you know, it is a it is an intimate setting, and they do events like this. And I think a lot of different theaters would do that. So that's a really cool thing we have going on. Another thing I'm excited about that I wanted to tell our listeners about is we started using a, a product. There's a company out there. It's called I think it's called Cole Realty Solutions or Cole something like that. Cole C O L E. What they do, Tucker, and I know you'll appreciate this because you, you're pretty innovative and you've built some apps and you, you know, you're out there trying to figure out how to get in front of Joe Public, if you will. What they do that I have not seen anyone else do, and correct me if I'm wrong if you know of another solution, is they provide you with emails of farm lists. So like if you wanted a radius around a certain area, say, you know, first edition in Lake Oswego, they not only they will give you the phone numbers of people. There's plenty of programs that I've found that do that. That wasn't the news part, but they actually will give you email addresses. And I think they're probably doing it in the same manner. I think from Mike's and this is mostly a guess when you or I or anybody else, Tucker, goes down to Home Depot and we fill out a credit application and, you know, we put our phone number, email, name, where we live. Those guys on the back side of that, they th- what they do is they send that to Equifax and Experian, who who m- make some money by you know charging to pull credit. But I also think they're making money by selling that information on the secondary market to companies like this. Anyway, so what we're doing, and I've had a good experience. We, we're pretty new in doing this. Is when I have a listing in in a target area of mine, and in, in what I would call you know my my wheelhouse area. We already were doing postcards, um, you know, just listed, pending, sold postcards around there, trying to drum up interest in 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 what we're doing, our expertise in the area, you know, our showing showing off our marketing. What we're doing now, though, is grabbing email addresses in that area and adding those people to a newsletter that I've been doing now for about seven eight months. It's been really successful, and so 
it's not just, hey, I'm here, I've got a listing in this area, I sent you a couple postcards and now I'm gone and bye-bye. But now we're adding them to that newsletter. And what we've experienced in the in our trial beta tests of this is the opt-out rate is is not that bad. I expected it to be pretty atrocious. If you added 300 emails around a house, I was expecting 50% opt-out rate. It was not much higher than a normal opt-out rate that we were seeing with normal database activities. So we've been really, really happy with that. And I encourage any of our listeners. I, I was introduced to Cole Services, Realty Services, through Lawyer's Title, my rep at Lawyer's Title. And if you guys want, I would encourage you to reach out to somebody at Lawyer's Title and they know a lot about that tool and how to use it. And they can probably give you a demo and show you how some of how it works. So quick, um, uh, quick sidebar there. So the app we built actually pulls email address too. So it's essentially skip tracing. So we uh, all the addresses that we pull via using our app, um, which is called Driving for Dollars app, it gives you phone number, it gives you email address, it gives you all the skip trace data that you would get. So it sounds like they've just kind of sliced off email as part of that skip trace data and they provide that based on a radius search. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's out there. It's done in a lot of ways. We've got an API built up to basically get it on demand for any given property anywhere across the country. But it's same type of idea, right? They, they, they take this data that they get from a million different places, they stockpile it. And then of course they sell it to these large skip trace companies that then resell it or whatever. So it, it may, and then it lands in our hands, right? For marketing purposes. Yeah. And you know, execution is key. I mean, just having a bunch of email addresses doesn't do it. One, one thing I'm excited about and that's working well and I, I and that I appreciate is my, my different systems and programs are working well together. They're, they're, there, there's an ecosystem that I've created. You know, if you had a bunch of email addresses for a farm area, but you had nothing good to send them, that'd be worthless, right? On the flip side, if you have a really awesome newsletter that has quality content that is going to engage people, everything from local things going on, real estate updates, exciting homeowner tips and, and tricks. If you had that, but you didn't have, a, 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 you know, people to send that to, that would be problematic. So it's when you start to to get everything kind of working together that you really start to see a creation of momentum. And, and that's been happening here over the last six to eight months. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Plus, One last thing I want to tell our listeners about, this was kind of a unique experience for me. And it's not often done. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the first agent that's ever done this. And um, I'd love to hear from our listeners if, if it's commonly done. But it was something that worked well for us. And I wanted to share this little tidbit that I did. So I have a listing out in Vernonia. It's about a million dollar property, which by the way, if, for anyone that knows Vernonia, that's the most expensive house I was say, that sounds in Vernonia. Expensive for Vernonia. Yeah. And we got an offer. It was contingent and they were selling about a $700,000 house in Scapoose. And they were, they were asking us and the house hadn't been on the market yet. So I had no pictures of it, I had nothing. They were asking us to take a contingent offer on this house. So, you know, Agent was fantastic. The other, the agent on the other side, her and I had a great relationship. We had great dialogue, great communication. And what I ultimately talked to my sellers about and, and with her about was, look, we're flying a little bit blind here. Your people bought this house about 16 years ago for, you know, 300,000. We, and, and clearly it could have gone up in value. You're saying that it's been very much updated but we have no photos. We have, it's not listed. We, we, we really don't know much about the property. So we're interested in your contingent offer, but would you, would it be okay if I came and previewed that home? 
And that's where I'd never done this before. And, and I'm curious if other agents do this on a regular basis, but I felt it behooved us for me to take a little bit of time out of my schedule before we tethered ourselves to this property in a contingent bumpable status, which limits our showings. I felt it behooved us for me to actually go to the property, do a site visit, walk through it, then look at some comps and go, okay, are they in the realm? Is this a saleable property? Because rule number 101 in in the real estate contingent world is you never want to tether yourself to a harder to sell property than yourself, right? And so I did do that. Um, they were agreeable to it. And I think most contingent offers in this situation would be agreeable to a site visit. I think, you know, they're asking you essentially for some type of favor. And I think they would understand that you want to do your due diligence on their property and how uh, viable it is that it's going to go pending quickly. So they allowed me to go there. Ultimately, in talking it through, I felt like it wasn't a great probability that theirs was going to sell faster than ours. So that in conjunction with the fact that their offer was a little bit off of our asking, well, quite a bit off of our asking price. So if so you're saying 700 like, grand was overpriced. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It felt to me like they were, they were, they were undervaluing our house and overvaluing their house. And, and I said, look, I get it. If, if you want to do that, that's okay. But you should probably go on the market, get an offer accepted on your house. And then if you come to us with an immediate close, you know, that's a different conversation. And, and maybe we'll take, take a little haircut on our property, but to take that haircut on our property and have you priced, you know, what, out of what I think the market is, in a manner that we're waiting on you to to get an offer just didn't seem like a good a good gamble on our side. So, anyways, I wanted to share that little nugget because uh, it was kind of a it was kind of a little different approach to a contingent offer where you actually kind of take it to to the next level by actually asking to go preview the property. But that's you know, kind of what I have, Tucker. What's going on in your world? Well, it's funny you brought up a story like that because I actually we sold a house to one of your PPG agents not all that long ago where we had a secondary offer that was that situation. But the house that was going to get listed, they actually were looking at a realistic price, but I took time out of my day to go preview that house. Did you really? Yeah, I drove by it. Yeah, I've done it. Um, It's by, it was by our office here. So it wasn't like a big, uh, you know, deal in terms of time. But I actually drove by, I requested the pictures because they hadn't gone to market yet. And I wanted to see what the inside looked like. And the agent was nice enough to send them over. Um, but I gave it the sniff test. And I honestly thought that that one would sell. But then, of course, we ended up doing business with an agent from PPG because we had a non-contingent offer. And why would you accept a contingent offer when you can accept a non-contingent, right? Sure. Um, sure. But I had done that exact same thing. Had we not got a, a you know non-contingent offer, we probably would have engaged with them. But I, I gave it the sniff test. And I said, yeah, pricing looks good. Pictures look good. Um, it appears that it should sell relatively quickly. Um, you know, it was kind of in that meat and potatoes price point, And it was clean. Um, you know, a little bit of a slanted driveway. But that was the only real negative, right? So mm-hmm. I've done that as well. I think it, it, you'd be prudent to do that. It'd be kind of dumb not to, honestly. I mean, if you're flying mm-hmm. blind into something, if you tied yourself to that offer on an overpriced listing, in St. Helens to then, you know, an underpriced offer to on your property and Vernon. I mean, it's just a bad situation, right? Yeah. But all that can be averted by just going and checking out. So I think it's good yeah. advice. Yeah, it's, definitely. Whenever you have a, whenever you're listing a property and a contingent offer comes in, there's a whole new ball of wax of due diligence that's required on that property. And I think we're all used to that. And that's not, that, that in and of itself is nothing new. I think we all kind of pull comps. We all look at comps. We, you know, oftentimes it's listed already. So you have those photos to look at. And in, in those cases, maybe it's not necessary to go do a site visit, but 
but when you are flying blind, I mean, it, it, I think it is prudent to, to, you know, consider taking it to that next step and saying, Hey, you know what? We appreciate this offer. Would you mind if I checked it out just to see what you, what it is you're selling? Because we have no idea at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's just good business practice at the end of the day. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's October. Um, you know, I'm thinking back to the show we did last October and I was pretty much calling it the end of our run. Um, and I guess I have to formally say I was wrong. Um, because this October in a very strange way, looks quite a bit better than a year ago. Um, I thought, I thought rates were going up for good, um, last October, or at least for the foreseeable future. And I really, you know, historically rates haven't affected the real estate market that much, but historically we haven't had rates this low for this long. So now you have uh, what we'll call a little bit of an artificial inflation of asset prices based on cheap money. If you go that long with that lower rates. And so if you raise them substantially, payments go up and demand goes down and pushes puts downward pressure on pricing. So I thought we were there last year and I thought yeah, that was going to be the new too. normal. And then now all of a sudden rates are ridiculously low again. And, you know, that has kind of continued to spur a, a good amount of buyer activity. I, it was interesting. I saw a post, we'll, we'll, we can dive into it more on the best of masters when we do the next show with Joe, but there was a gal that was like, help my listings not moving. What's wrong? You know, how, you know, what are you guys seeing? And, you know, I didn't even have to look at the property address to know that it was a B product priced at an A price. Right. So similar to kind of what you were talking about with your hibernation product, if you've got things, issues with your house, like you just have to factor those in on pricing. But if you price your house right, right now, stuff's moving, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, there might be the outer ring, we'll call it kind of a little farther out of the city core that, you know, inevitably that's always harder to move. It's a little slower to get those to sale. But, you know, if you're closer in, in, you know, all around the metro area and you're priced right, stuff seems to be moving. Um, Mm -hmm. Our turnkey stuff, we had kind of a battle of PPG agents on a street uh, in West Lynn. And, uh, I love it. I love I, it. I don't know that it's, you know, I'm taking, you know, uh, a title here by any means, but we won uh, in terms of who goes pending first. Um, but, uh, you know. Meaning, meaning you, okay. So, okay. I thought you meant you had a bidding war on your property of PPG agents, but you were on us, you were in an area where there was a bunch of PPG listings near you. Two. Yeah. Two. Two. Actually happened to be just randomly listed within two days of each other. Right? Wow. Um, wow. So anyway, so then of course there's, you know, you got a little bit of a competition going on cause we were similarly priced too, but yeah, we won. Uh, but the reason being is, is mainly because we we're just turnkey, right? So, yeah. um, you know, the turnkey product is still selling well as long as you price it well, but I'm far more optimistic at this point than I was a year ago about yeah. our, you know, foreseeable real estate market as we kind of head into the end of this year and Q1 of next year. So, um, things are, things are moving along. Um, we've got a couple of big announcements. One I'm going to hold until our next show. Um, but the oh, other one, I think is, I know which one it is too. Yeah, dang it. Um, but, uh, I will tell you this, um, our Dunthorpe project that we're wrapping up here shortly, we have been in talks with, uh, Oregon home magazine and now it's official. So I can say it, um, they're going to put that home on their cover issue for the winter issue. Um, so it's going to be on newsstands everywhere for about three months. So as you go to the checkout counter, you'll see a, a blue house with white trim that looks pretty impressive, hopefully. Um, and awesome. that'll be our house. So congratulations. yeah, they're going to put that on the cover and then we're going to have a, a reveal party on the 19th. Of course you'll be invited. So that's oh, why I was asking about your, very, um, so, your, so let me ask you a question. Are we trying to sell it? No. 
<laughs> so, so when I'm coming, so when I'm coming to the party, I'm not bringing a buyer. You can just bring your your wonderful personality and a date. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to come. Let's see. Let, let me look on my calendar. Nineteenth is a Saturday. There is a duck game that way that day. By the way, um, what time's your party? There's a. Uh, uh, they're playing the Huskies that day. I know that because I've been. I've been waiting for that that game. What time? What time's kickoff? <laughs> um, you know, last time I looked, it wasn't released. I bet it is now. I'll I'll look. It's early evening. Um, but anyway, they'll be. Well, they'll make be, sure you uh, have a TV. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah. Or just invite Beaver fans. Uh, it's at twelve thirty. The the duck game's at twelve thirty, so you're probably okay, Tucker. Yep, zero conflict. So there you yeah. go. Yeah yeah. Um, but anyway, we're excited. Um, they're gonna do a six page article on it as well, and um, it'll be kind of a cool article of you know we built it once before we built it again um you know this version is the 2019 2020 version um which uh, it's turned out really cool so we're excited about that awesome Um, cool on top of that we've we've got i've been in talks with the city of lake oswego for going on four years now uh, for a lot that we have that looks over the entire lake and uh, i got off the phone with uh the head engineer for the city last week, and uh, they finally green-lighted us and cleared us. We are build-ready for what is a really amazing piece of property. So it looks like we're actually going to build that lot now. Um, so we've got a, a Lakeview lot coming up that has pretty much a panoramic view of the entire lake. It's almost an acre. And uh, Are you high be, above the lake? Or right yeah, oh, yeah, you're high yeah. above. So you you basically, it sits right above Lakeview. Um, yeah, like the Summit? House, the house summit? Used, uh, no, it's right on, uh, it's off upper. So remember oh, that okay. house back in the day, you lived on one on the lake that, um, was a little farther down Lakeview past yeah. where interject yeah. intersects South shore. Um, it looks right over the top of like this castle looking house. Um, yeah. Got finished yeah. out. So, anyway, it looks out over the lake there. It's, it's an awesome piece of property, but, uh, we're finally, finally going to be able to build it, which is awesome. So wow. we're really excited about that. That's and then, a great. Um, I mean, you've got everything going on there. You've got the north side of the lake close to Upper Drive. You've got views of the lake. My gosh, that's going to be a great property. You could really push push prices on that one, huh? Yeah, yeah, I think we probably could. Um, we, I think we're going to do it with a pool even um, oh already gosh. put in. So it, it's yeah. going to be really cool. Um, but then we're also, uh, on the flip side, we're buying another uh, Lake Oswego project here. I just signed paperwork right before we hopped on today. And uh, we'll be closing it up on the other side of Lake Oswego, just a little ranch. So we got we got a lot going on. And then, of course, I've got a, um, a speaking engagement tomorrow night at uh, an investor meetup here in town, uh, one of the bigger events of the year. So I'm their uh, headline speaker. So we got a lot going on. And good for um, you. congratulations. But, I saw yeah. that on Facebook, I think. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of good guys. They host. Uh, it's called the Rare Bird Investor Network. Um, but they've got a, a good thing going on, and so I'm going to go put some support behind them and and uh, go speak tomorrow night. So what's be the venue for that? Um, I should know, but uh, it's, it's downtown. In, yeah, downtown Northeast Portland area. So like a hotel uh, or something. Yeah, like uh, Rose Quarter area. I forgot yeah. exactly. Um, cool. but uh, cool. yeah, so it should be a good time. <clears throat> so, so we got a lot going on, but overall, I'm. I guess I'll say I'm pretty optimistic as we kind of segue into market stuff here because we got, you know, uh, just a little bit of time left before we both got to go. But, you know, it's definitely a different time feeling wise than it was a year ago. I don't see rates going up in the near future. Um, So, you know, looking at numbers, I know they're a little bit old at this point and we can kind of look forward based on what, um, you know, we've got in front Mm -hmm. of us. But, you know, inventory was stagnant from uh, essentially the last two reports. They stayed uh, at 2.3 months. It was 2.4 months before that. I don't think that moving forward as we get September's numbers, we're really going to deviate too much from that. Um, no, although I, I will either. say 
last year when September's numbers came out, we spiked over three months and then we kind of yeah. back. But that spike also kind of made us think, oh, crap, rates are going up. Inventory <clears> jumped. This is the inflection point. And I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to quit predicting because I really have no idea yeah, other than me too. <laughs> I, I think the next quarter will remain solid. Um, and if you have good, you know, quality product that you put out to market at the right price, I think that you'll have no problem selling it. I think if you have product that's, like I said before, a B product for whatever reason, um, and you put it out at an A price, you're going to put yourself behind the eight ball a little bit in terms of pleasing your sellers and getting a number that their expectations, you know, think they should get at that point. And I think that's, you know, that's a battle that you guys fight as an agent to tell people, you know, what they need to hear and not what they want to hear, but still get the listing at the same time. So I think mm -hmm. there'll be a fair bit of that that just kind of continues because of that battle. But ultimately, uh, you know, I'm pretty, pretty strong on the market right now. I think that it's, uh, especially in certain areas, there's, there's other areas that aren't quite as desirable, but the more desirable ones, Westlands, the Lake Oswego's, the Southwest <laughs> Portland's, um, you know, I don't know where else you've got listings where you're seeing pretty high traffic in terms of showing and demand, but those three are definitely strong right now. Yeah. And let me ask you a question because, and I think I know the answer to this, but I'm just kind of almost a hypothetical question. Like, had we not seen that spike in rates a year ago, would the market be as strong today? I don't know. That's a great question. Um, I mean, because I, I think that did two things. A, it put the, you know, the fear of, of God in people like, Hey, Oh my God, that's possible. So when they see the rates low again, they, they go, we got to do this. Right. The other thing it does is I think it created a little pent up demand. Um, as people sidelined and go, Oh man, I can't afford a house right now. You suddenly started building up buyers that could that were ready to buy just just weren't buying so as rates dipped suddenly there was an influx of buyers jumping into the market um so i think we're benefiting from what happened then and and um i i'm 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 right there with you in fact tucker um we had seen um the average sales price really flatlined. And, and I'm not saying it hasn't flatlined. It's still very low. Year over year, the most recent market update that we had was 1%. It went up. But it had gotten really close to zero before that. So this tells you that it actually has has picked up a tiny bit, right? Um, which is surprising. I was kind of, you know, six months ago, I was expecting us to dip backwards a little bit, you know, Start to go down, you know, one percent. Not a, not a, you know, not a cratering, but a little, a little dip, and which, which wasn't wouldn't be a big deal in my mind if we if we saw negative appreciation, one, two, three percent. But that just hasn't happened. I mean, I think, um, I think the consumer's really strong. I think the labor market's strong. The interest rates are good. Um, you know, there's uncertainty out there, and and I don't. I still don't think this is going to last forever. I, I still think, you know, we're going to, you know, see, but, but I also, I also have been thinking for a year now that maybe this is what normalcy looks like. Maybe in a normal market, your dips and valleys aren't years at a time. Maybe they're six, six months or a year at a time. Maybe, maybe, um, having interest rates go up a percent kind of, you know, the, the brakes pumping the brakes on the market, then they kind of come back or, and maybe it's not always interest rates. Maybe it's other market factors. Maybe it's, um, 
you know, e economic, maybe it's, you know, jobs, maybe it's, you know, various other components, you know, that the ebb and flow of the market for six months or a year at a time versus three, four years at a time, as we've seen in the, you know, the, the past with those violent market changes. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about the market. I, I'm, I'm seeing healthy activity out there. I, I, I feel, I, I've heard from buyers firsthand that they said, you know, back last December, we, we were ready to buy and we just didn't <laughs> want to, we didn't want to do so because the rates were so high and we know we have to do this now. And they feel the pressure to buy now, which is helping the market. They have that urgency because they don't want to see this window close without them having benefited with those interest rates. There's a lot, there's a lot of, um, lending programs that are, that are getting a little bit more, um, they're not, they're not, you know, they're still having to show their income, but I'm, I'm hearing more about 1% down. I know FHA zero down is alive and well. Um, really? I didn't know that they had a zero down one. Wow. They're doing the gift programs. Yeah. Okay, it's yeah. the same one we always did, right? Okay. Where there's like yeah, some, yeah. some gift for the three and a half percent that's basically built into the program. I mean, it's kind of a shell game if I remember correctly, right? Yeah. Oh, it was definitely a shell game, but it's there again. So that's it's there. Yeah. 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 We're doing a couple right now. Um, we've got a couple of buyers pre-approved for that right now. So, so, um, and, and that's, so, so the market has, you know, the mortgage market has gotten a little bit more, um, less conservative and with the down payment component, those people are all qualifying. They're all showing their income. No, nobody's doing stated income hundred percent. Um, as they probably shouldn't, uh, that, <laughs> no, was they kind shouldn't. Of a, that was a bad idea the first time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But I, um, you know, I think you're right. I think that the little kind of pump the brakes, go forward, kind of go back. It kind of gut checked the market a little bit. I, I feel like it's almost like taking away, let's say, a kid's allowance for a little while. So then once yeah. he gets it back, he's like, oh, this is a good thing and doesn't take it for granted. Right. So yeah. maybe there's a little bit of that going on with interest rates. Um I don't know. I don't know where the market would be if we didn't have that little, you know, pump the brakes moment. But I, I feel like for the last few years, it's kind of ebbed and flowed. Last year was just kind of the biggest yeah. little dip we've had in, in time that um, definitely made some people a little worried. Uh, but, you know, at, at this point, unless numbers come out crazy for this month, which I don't think they will. Um, I just I think we're going to move along through the end of this year and it should be surprisingly better than last year at the same time in terms of, uh, you know, ability to sell houses and for the prices that they're going to sell for. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, if I was to guess what, you know, will be a future event, <clears throat> cause I think the, the stock market is getting pretty, pretty, pretty high and it has been for a while. I mean, it's been on a, the longest bull run of in history, I think 10 years now. Um, and I think I could see, uh, a market you know, a little bit of a market slowdown as a stock market starts to correct and, and go into, but, but that won't be, what'll be great for us, Tucker. And I've said this before on the show, you know, the last downturn was so bad for us because it was the epicenter of the, of the downturn was real estate, right? We were where and why the market was crashing. So we felt it first and we felt it hardest. Um, I don't think the next down. I don't think the next um, downturn or recession is going to be real estate centric. I think it will be maybe stock market, maybe debt markets, maybe um, corporate debt, maybe um, you know other other components where we'll feel 
will feel residual effects, but they will not be that ground shattering, you know, cratering that we felt before. And, and I think we'll, I think we'll, you know, we'll address it and we'll go through it. And, you know, there'll be some, some, some effects to, to, to the, you know, the, the number of agents out there and to, uh, to, you know, to the amount of, you know, everybody's business will dip a, a slight amount, but it'll be a manageable amount. And, and there'll still be opportunities to grow market share through innovation and execution and, and, you know, doing things the right way. Yeah. Well, overall, I'm pretty happy about where we're at. Uh, I think um, I'm optimistic as we head into Q4 here and, you know, we'll see how optimistic we are after we have Joe on next week's show and we talk about all the, you know, comments and masters and the challenges yeah. that agents are facing. But you know, overall, I would say reflecting back on the show we did a year ago at this time, I'm I feel like we're in a better place, uh, much yeah. better place. So, um, you know, I'm going to take that, I'm going to bottle it up, and kind of move forward with it. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So n- next week we'll be doing best of masters. We've got Joe teed up for that. It's been a little while since we did one of those shows. We'll be going through the threads and finding some great topics. There's been some really good stuff over the last couple months. So I'm excited to get together the three of us and probably have a, a, a nice healthy sized show, maybe an hour or so, give or take. And, uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch up on that. Yeah. Joe might even be drinking white claws during the day, depending <laughs> on which day we do it. Yeah. <laughs> so. You got him hooked. You got oh, him hooked. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that pretty much wraps up our, uh, what's going on with us and, uh, kind of our take on the market currently overall. Things feel pretty good out there. So, uh, of course, there's going to be some outliers and some challenges to sell stuff everywhere. But uh, for the most part, I think everything's good. So that pretty much wraps up this week's show. We'll see you all on the next one. Thanks again for listening to our show. And make sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Portland Real Estate Podcast.